reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle. Chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars. Dial 2 for streaming stars. Dial 3 for TV stars. Dial 4 for music stars. Or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hi, it's Susie Porter here from Paramount Plus's No Escape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host and head of entertainment at Media Week and Chatter, Anita Annabelle. Two best friends, Lana and Kitty, flee their lives in the UK and head to Southeast Asia on a yacht called the Blue. Soon, the yacht is found drifting in Queensland waters with absolutely no one on board. This is the premise of Paramount Plus's gripping new series, No Escape. Adapted from Lucy Clark's best-selling novel of the same name, it stars Rianne Barreto, Abigail Laurie, Sean Keenan, and Australian icon Susie Porter as Chief Inspector Sarah Craven. In this episode, I spoke with Susie about her thrilling new role, the clever way she creates a backstory for her character, and she revealed what she was like as a kid. Spoiler alert, she was a little bit naughty. No Escape is streaming on Paramount Plus now. Here's Susie Porter. Aww. Thank you so much for chatting to me. I'm, I honestly am so thrilled. I have been a fan of yours for so long, so this is really lovely. Oh, that's very kind. That is very, very kind. Thank you. Of course. And let's let's talk about No Escape because, oh, my gosh, it is so cool. It is so thrilling. Give me the elevator pitch for anybody who hasn't seen it. Well, I would probably say the opening shots for No Escape is a um, yacht is found adrift in the ocean. Um, it's fully stocked, the galley. They're all full of personal items, but no one's on board and there's been a mayday called. And so there's a police launch into that. That's the opening. And then it's basically a whole series of flashbacks to what happened to this boat and all the crew members on it. It's, it is quite complex, the story, you know, with, um, the flashbacks and lots of different characters. And, and obviously I don't want to talk too much about the plot because, you know, you don't want to give away because there's lots of twists in it as well. So yeah, I think it's a really great ride and everyone I know who has seen it, they love it. Like I've had so many messages just saying, oh my God, we, we keep going just one more. We'll do one more. We'll do one more before we go to bed. So I think that (laughs) that that's a good sign, you know? Isn't it such a great sign when people just can't stop watching? It's so funny because people will say, oh, I won't watch an hour and a half movie, but they'll binge seven episodes. Yeah, yeah. And this is a very fast-paced show as well and really idyllic locations and, um, you know, some great actors from, you know, all over the world really in it. So, yeah, it was a great experience to be part of it. And for your character, so we'll talk about the cast in a second because it's an amazing young, talented cast, Mm. but your character, so Chief Inspector Sarah Craven. That's it. Firstly, I love that after being on Wentworth for so many years that you're now on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I became really, I was comfortable playing a cop doing East West 101 and, um, and then, so I loved kind of 
you know, playing that kind of cop who's not not quite perfect and, um, you know, has a, has a quite a distressing personal life. And but then going into Wentworth and playing, yeah, that was an incredible experience. So it was kind of, um, yeah, to play one of the good guys instead of you know looking over my shoulder and being deviant. I was, yeah. It was, it was a nice, it's a nice change. I suppose I, I loved going to, because it was all filmed in Thailand, actually, even though it's set in the Philippines. But originally, I know when I, I got the job, it was actually set in Thailand and then they changed it. So, yeah, they changed it to the Philippines. So it is the Philippines, but it was Thailand, but it's also meant to be Australia. So I'm meant to be in Australia, but I'm not. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that, am I? The magic of TV, I love that. You know, it's so funny. Lauren, uh, publicist Lauren sent me the brief yesterday. She said Thailand, but then when I've been watching it, it's the Philippines. So I was like, Palawan. Oh, my gosh, it's gorgeous. Of course. Yeah. And then yeah. I didn't even compute that it wasn't even Palawan. Yeah. Don't worry. We're all confused. We're, don't you worry. It's just sort of meant to be in Australia, but we're in Thailand, but then it's meant to be Philippines. So, yeah, don't worry. You're all having a cultural crisis, an identity crisis. <laughs> we were. <laughs> <laughs> With Chief Inspector Sarah, I mean, what did you love about playing her and what excited you about getting that role? Look, I always love that there's you know, a female, a really strong female protagonist, you know, in a series. I love the fact that it, there was, you know, the female, you know, she was the chief inspector and then the male was, you know, I mean, not to kind of get too, you know, whatever about it, male and female, but I do like the fact that because I think that women who achieve a certain amount of status in a traditionally male job, they really have to work hard. They have to really be good at what they do and they also have to deal with a lot of stuff that gets thrown at them. So, you know, I know that any of those, you know, female in, in the real world as well, I've heard this, that, um, you know, I just think that, yeah, women who have really had to fight for their place to be equal among among men and I think that's um, that is you know, I'm always interested in that. Plus, I love a little bit of a kind of murder mystery and flashbacks and not quite sure where we are. So I also really enjoyed reading it as well. I, I never read the book by, um, now what was it, Lucy Clark, who, who who is Australian, actually. Um, I never read her book because they said, look, don't read the book. You may get a bit confused, like your character's different. And I didn't even know whether there was, a, you know. Anyway, so it's just... It altered from the novel. So they said, don't read it. You'll be confused. So I said, okay. I'm actually, that's so funny because I don't know if I love when they veer away from, I mean, obviously if there was no character of you, then obviously we're really glad that they added you in. Um, but I always wonder, like, is it better to be true to the novel or steer away from it? What have, what have you found when there's adaptations? Look, I think, yeah, it's a good question, but I think whatever is better for the story Whatever's more interesting and exciting for the story, then I think they should go with that. Because sometimes there is a lot of, you know, artistic or creative license taken with certain things, you know. Um, so whatever whatever makes the story really better for the audience, I think is the best way to go. 
Absolutely. That is so true because otherwise how will we be enthralled and gripped? You know, sometimes when you're reading something on a page, it's it's so different. But yeah. I, I always want to know this because you play these characters for such a large chunk of time. Was there anything that you learned about yourself playing this character? I suppose there's always bits you learn about yourself, but also what I suppose is is interesting for me is what you learn I suppose about human nature, more to the point, like what drives someone, say the backstory I had for Craven, which never appears on screen, but I have like a backstory about her that had some tragedy in her life, which we'll either go into or not in the in the podcast, but that then made her decide that she always wants to um, see the world right and see that um, justice is is pursued. So with that backstory, they're, they're the kind of things that I go, wow, imagine if you had lost a son through a drink driving accident and then you go about trying to right the world of the wrongs, then that's kind of what, what pursues you. And I don't know whether it ever comes on screen, but I always write backstories. And I always think, because no one gets through life without any kind of turmoil and tragedy. Like everyone, it's life on life's terms. It's difficult for everyone, you know. So I think that they're the things that mark and change people, the different experiences people have been through. So I'm always interested in, in the backstories, the psychological backstories, and what drives the characters, whether they're conscious of it or not. Because a lot of the time we're, we're completely unconscious unless you're going to therapy. Um, you know, we don't really know what our unconscious drives are. So it doesn't matter whether the, the, the character knows them or not. It's just something in the back of my mind. So I'm always interested in human nature and what drives people. Plus, um, yeah, and also I read a, a novel Um the guy who was doing the William Tyrrell case. Gary Jubelin. Gary Jubelin. Yeah, I read his book just as a way into practical ways of how to interview people and different ways, to, you know, and, and basically reading his novel, um, you know, I, I understood a little bit more about what it means to be a cop as well because it's quite a job. Gary is amazing and that is He that is, is amazing. Ah. Oh. I know, and that the minute you said William Tyrrell, I was like, I knew exactly who you were talking about. I mean, can you imagine doing that for? A, I mean, playing it is one thing, and then can you imagine being doing that in reality? That is, oh, the reality of it. Honestly, it's like playing a doctor or a nurse, and the reality of it is so different. And a criminal, think, maybe, and, and a criminal as well. <laughs> but and obviously being in prison as well. Um, but I think, yeah, playing a cop and yeah. All I know is I met a detective at a wedding a few months ago and she just said, oh, look, things are faster on television. You know, they don't really go into the paperwork aspect of it, <laughs> being a detective. She said, I suppose that's not that doesn't make for interesting viewing, which is true. Um, but I also think the risk that, um, you know, police and detectives go through a lot of the time, we don't really fully, I don't think, appreciate that as well. I think that, they, you know, they risk their, their lives each day. Mm. 
You said that there is a backstory, but then do you add to that backstory? Because if it's not like largely shown on screen, is that something that you then develop in your mind? Is that what you meant by that? Yeah. It doesn't appear on screen. Like it's not in the dialogue, but it's just something I learned at drama school many years ago. So you make your backstory and see whatever what the kind of wound I always like to sort of know what the character's wound is and how they act out of that place and whether they're conscious of it or or not a lot of the time it doesn't even matter if they're conscious of it um but it can just help help certain things when you're going in scenes because I thought that like if they obviously the casting sorry obviously the scripting has given you some sort of of backstory, but then that's why I'm just so fascinated that you've really created this character out of it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, I do that. I do that with um, with every character <laughs> that I play, and I have notebooks like full of stuff <laughs> of just the idea of what is it like the character I played in Irreverent, this thing I did for Netflix. Oh, no, stop. I loved, loved, loved that show. Oh, I know. It's funny, isn't it? And um, the character Agnes Jovic that I played there, like it's a comic character, but I had a backstory that I only, you know, that I'd found out that I was adopted and I was always put down by my family. And came from a very abusive home. So it was always the idea of having to prove myself and make money. So hence why she became, you know, selling, um, you know, legal tobacco. So even though it's sort of, it never, you know, you don't see it on screen. It's something that I can relate to that I make the whole, it's almost like a write a life story. I feel like you should be script writing. I don't think I'd be very good at that. I really don't. And I'm not I'm I'm not being like, you know, faux um whatever. Modest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not being faux modest. I'm just I actually don't think that um I would be that great at being a writer. It's more that you come up with great concepts. I mean, these stories that you're creating out of nothing is actually I mean, there is obviously something that you're getting it from, but to create something, I just find that so awesome, honestly. Yeah, look, I, I really enjoy it as part of the creative process to kind of write a whole life story. You know, it may only be eight to ten pages, but just something that I feel like it grounds me. Because I always, I never like to go into a job without doing the work. It sounds like a bit of journaling to me. That sounds like you're sitting there and you're kind of consciously like just scribbling or subconsciously even maybe. That's maybe mm. where you're getting it well, from. Well, yeah, I used to do a lot of journaling. Um, yeah. I did this book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron and it was all about unblocking your creativity. It's an amazing book actually. It's called The Artist's Way. She is was a blocked writer, used to be married to Martin Scorsese. I think it was Martin Scorsese's first wife. And um, she, you do a 12-week course, really, taking yourself on a date, making collages, remembering childhood stuff. Um, it's a really fantastic thing. Yeah, it's called The Artist's Way. It's a very, um, yeah, it's sort of unlocking creativity, really. I love how you do, when you said you do the work, I think that is so important and it really shines through. Would you think that that is something that has led to the longevity of your success? 
Um, maybe. Look, I suppose I learned that at drama school. You know, being at drama school, like, you know, it was pretty strict and tough, but being there really learned, you know, really taught me to have a good work ethic and that if you don't do the work, the work will suffer. And um, it could be that, or I think there's always a bit of luck involved. And when I got out of drama school, like, you know, I was doing very Australian films like Idiot Box and um, Mr. Reliable, which I which I did when I was still at drama school. And that was because I think I had a very Australian accent and the Aussie, my kind of look was in at that moment. So I think it's also in the zeitgeist, it's in a matter of time. And things change a lot and evolve. But I think that's how I got into it because I actually sounded, I sound a lot like I'm less from Newcastle now, um, it, but I had a lot broader Australian accent 20 years ago probably. It's 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 the training in you though, I feel. Like if you're having to kind of switch in and out of accents and characters, it's probably, you probably evolved your own dialect almost. I probably have, you know. Yeah. Like in my like normal Newcastle accents, really like, you know, pool and school you know, it's all drawn out and very flattened. Um, and I think, yeah, you try, I, I suppose over the years it's just kind of morphed into less like that. And being in this industry for so I know I keep going for so long, I just, I could it's not believe, right. I'm sorry, but when I did your, my research on you and I did the yeah. work, uh, I could not believe that you had been had 70 credits on IMD, 70, 71 actually. I've never counted them, but now that makes me feel good. Have I had 71 jobs? Isn't that unbelievable? I just, but, but I mean, obviously so well-deserved, but I was just so, so like you have been in the, the industry for so long and like had that insane success. So in that case, with this incredible No Escape cast, I mean, they're all pretty young. What did, did you serve as some sort of mentor to them or how was that relationship with them? Look, I mean, I worked with Abigail Laurie who plays Lana, the lead girl. Mm. She's amazing. Wow. Like I think I learned more. I think I learned more <laughs> from her than she did. We laughed a lot, and I also like to, even though I, you know, say I do the work, um, we muck up a lot too. Like you have to have a sense of humor as well when you're doing stuff, and it has to be light and jovial and and enjoyable. Um, obviously, some scenes, if they're really emotional, of course, you know, um, especially in Wentworth and things like that, you kind of, you know, you go really quiet, but. Someone like Abigail Laurie, she she was amazing. Um, uh, you know, we I remember one time she had her her monologue right at the end. I think it was the last episode, and we went through the lines, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's pretty good." And then I thought she was pretty good, and then they turned over for her close up, and she did it, and I was just like completely blown away. She is just a really organic, natural actress, and and. She's very down to earth, and what I noticed, they're all very, um, yeah, no one mucked up. They're all really kind of professional, to be honest. They were, but I had most of my stuff was with her, and also Sean Keenan, who mm. obviously I've worked with before and love him on um, Puberty Blues, and right, did, sure. you know, yeah, and you know, little bits with beautiful Josh McConville, 
and also Gary Sweet and one scene I think I had with Annie Luby, which was cut. But, um, yeah, so so really most of my stuff was with her. Um, but, yeah, I don't think – I think I learn a lot from – I think you learn from each other, really. I just noticed she was so organic and so she – it was just every time she did the monologue, it was different, but it felt completely organic and real. And so I think that, yeah, I think you can learn from, I think you can learn from people regardless of how old they are or how long they've been in. I know when I did remote area nurse many years ago, like that was probably 2005 or something, there were a lot of Torres Strait Islanders in that cast who had never acted. And I swear to God, they're better than us who have been, <laughs> been trained. There's something about, you know, when they don't know, um, when they've just sort of been plucked off the street in ways that there's something really organic about it that you can't quite put your finger on. So I think it just depends on the, yeah. So long story short with that, <laughs> I feel like, sorry, I just feel like I'm No, I love this. I'm just sitting there. here just enthralled by you. Yeah. Um, but I think that you can learn from anyone regardless of how old they are. You know, I think it's, yeah, depending on the person. I love I love being around people who are younger. I mean, they keep me young. They keep me nice and nice and mm. <laughs> nice and keep and nice and cool. <laughs> but, but I did you watch Euphoria? Was that something that you? Do you know what? Started? I was just about to talk about Euphoria because of talking about Angus, Angus Cloud. Cloud, and um, exactly I've been it. really. It's so weird when I mention that because I know he was basically plucked off the street in Brooklyn, and he was extraordinary. Euphoria is one of my all-time favorite shows. Like all time. I just think that it's that is just the most amazing show and the performances from everybody in it. But that's just an example. And as soon as I said that, I was thinking of beautiful Angus Cloud because um, you know, he was he was amazing in that character, you know. Um, and it's really, it's just so oh, it's, sad. It's the sad. Mm. It's it's horrendously tragic. It's horrendously mm. tragic. And mm. and you and it's funny that you should say that because literally the minute you said when they're plucked, you know, from the streets, I was just like that was the immediate person that I thought of because they get thrown into this stratosphere without any sort of formal training. And and like you said, sometimes that is the most powerful thing because they're actually coming from authenticity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you can kind of come at it, obviously, being an actor who, that's not to say that all trained <laughs> trained actors don't have it, but I think, yeah, there's a kind of quality that's sometimes indescribable that comes on screen. I don't know what that is. Some people have mm-hmm. it, maybe some people don't. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that was an extraordinary series. When you started out then and you went to, to drama school, but, I mean, how, I can't imagine you were a very shy child or anything like that. But how did this start for you? Because that is the question. <laughs> how did this start for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, how did it start? Well, look, I was always interested in entertaining and being other people, I think, when I was little. And I'd always kind of mock and dance and sing and, you know, do that sort of stuff. But I also think... um it's changed. Maybe when I wanted to be an actor, I probably, it probably came out of a lower self-esteem 
for myself, probably. I would say it probably came for a need to be liked on a bigger scale. As I've obviously gotten older and, you know, had years in the industry, it, that's changed. That stuff doesn't bother me. Um, and obviously I've done work on myself and I have, I would hope one would have a slightly um, better self-esteem, a better view of myself that I don't need a lot of external validation. But I think when I, when I got into the industry, I think that I did. I think a lot of people, creatives, are exactly the same way, though. Like you kind of almost put a mask on, don't you? Yeah, there must have been something lacking somewhere um, that I kind of went, well, yeah. And I think as well when I was growing up, I was kind of, I always felt the least likely to succeed in my family and because I was, I was a bit naughty. A bit naughty. Oh my gosh, that shocks me so much. <laughs> I was naughty. I mean, not a, not a destructive kid, but you know, went to went to a strict school, and um, you know, I was always up to no good, and and but not in a nasty way. Um, yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I just think that then. Yeah, I was. I just sort of. I just think I was a personality type that needed a bit more attention. And also I came from a family, of, there were four girls. It's like, you know. Are you a middle wall youngest child? Well, I'm number three and I'm known as, I'm, I'm the lost child. They yes, call that the, exactly the lost the child, lost in, child. In, in therapy terms. And, um, <clears throat> and I think that, that um, yeah, a lot of families don't have four people in them. You know, their families are becoming smaller and smaller. But, yeah, I think that by number three and, I think I probably wanted a bit more, um, you know, attention. Having said that, my mum, and bless her, she dedicated her life to us. So I can't say I grew up with without, you know, love. Uh, it's not that. I just think my personality type, I just needed a little more. Your personality type is epic, by the way. You're like, you seem like you'd just be the best fun. And also, <laughs> but also what I love is actually quite, you're quite deep as well. You're quite deep. You've got a lot of, <laughs> but which I think is the is the that kind of you know masking. I always say masking because it's I'm exactly the same. Like I have a really big personality, but then I'm also a very deep thinker. I'm very spiritual and very you know. Mm. And I it's kind of I think that people like us. That's why we do it. I think that's why we gravitate towards people. You love stories. I think that's you know that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. And also just the um the idea of being human, I think, is also what is interested me. Because I, I think your career shifts and changes. You know, as you get older, you're not the ingenue anymore, you know, you're more of a character uh actor and I actually find them far more interesting, the character type. You know, mm. I suppose over the last sort of decade I'm kind of interested in more interested in donning the wigs and um i love a i love a really good wig and being being different uh like the last job i did the artful dodger which is for disney and um yeah i play in english sort of aristocrat really and so i just love the differences and if people can you know have to think oh is that you 
is that you, Susie? Or if I show them pictures of the wig and they say, oh, I can hardly recognize you, I just go, that's, the, that's really great. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in that, you know, rather than anything else, I think, in this stage of my career. It is so wonderful to kind of, for you to kind of evolve what you've been doing, but it's also so wonderful to just meet you like this. It is, <laughs> I, I don't know, I just would think putting you on a on a stage and just being you would just be as entertaining, to be honest. Oh, look, get me on the right day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I also I gotcha. can be, you know, I can also be like insecure and, um, not very confident at times. Like I've had to fight against things like that, having a bit of anxiety and, um, yeah, so I've had to kind of work. Personally, I, I, I can do anything as a character. I probably find it harder to be myself. Mm. Like if I have to go, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I always think that if I have to, like if I give a speech, given enough time that I can write it and I can just read it out, that's fine. But if I always think because I'm an actor, people think that I would have a massive personality with a lot of people around, but I'm actually quite shy in that context, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So I think that when I play a character, I feel I can, I can do anything. I can do anything while I'm the character, but not completely myself. I probably don't have as much confidence. I'm I'm getting better at worrying less about what others think of me publicly because I think that's a really big one. In saying that, I mean, looking back and having that anxiety and, and also kind of living that throughout your life, I mean, is there one piece of advice you'd give yourself looking back at your, the very beginning of your career? Yeah, I would say probably that you can say no to things that you feel uncomfortable doing um, and also just being kind to yourself. Yeah. You know, like if I didn't get it, you know, didn't get it right, I'd be really upset with myself. Like I don't know whether perfectionism comes from that, you know, there's a sort of half, perfectionism half self-flagellation mm. really so I think being kind to yourself is probably what I would say and also not worry too much like it unfolds the universe kind of I think has its own plan and I always say the best things in my life that have happened they don't have my fingerprints on them the universe has kind of bought them and I know that sounds you know quite esoteric but I always think the universe brings those things that I haven't tried to manufacture or manipulate. You are speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. And it's also every redirection is a new direction, in my opinion. It is, and to know that just to keep open to that. I think it's just keeping yourself open as a vessel for whatever may come in and change and, and things that may have been a disappointment can turn out to be a really great thing in your life we just sometimes don't know what's best for us you know mm. with that thank you so much for coming oh my pleasure bye thank you darling okay bye thanks for calling the entertainment hotline with anita annabelle 
You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.